Children are a blessing from God. Amen. Amen. But children also sometimes show you some things about yourself that you may not have been willing to deal with before. Uh, we had the district Christmas party yesterday for all the clergy uh, in the South District, and it was at the main event. And uh, for those who are not familiar with the main event, it's a bunch of bowling and pool and video games and laser tag and putt-putt golf all under one building along with an opportunity to eat. Uh, some people would call it a money pit. Um, but uh, my son and I, and I don't know where he gets it from being impatient as he is. I, don't, I have no idea where this gentleman would have learned to be so impatient from. But uh, we had a program before they were just going to turn everybody loose with their cards to go enjoy the festivities. But in order to get to the program, uh, the room where the program was going to be at and where they were going to feed us, we had to walk past the bowling alley, the pool, the video games, uh, the little pool hall area, the video games, and, and you could see the putt-putt golf, and they made sure you could see it because there was a big old door open with neon lights. And so little Johnny wanted to play in the games. He didn't want to go into the room and eat and listen at uh, Reverend Harris talk or any of these things. No, no, no. And I said, Johnny, we're going to play the video games and stuff after the program and he said but I want it now and, and, and I, I, I can see that he you know all jokes aside he got it honest his dad might have a little bit of a patience problem his, his dad might have a little problem with you know things like uh, going somewhere and you have an appointment and you still got to wait. His dad might have a little problem with that. His dad might have a little problem sitting in traffic, especially if it's a tollway, because I don't feel like you should pay to sit in traffic. If I see a video that you're trying to share on Facebook, I immediately click on the length of the video, and if it's more than like seven minutes, I don't like to wait at the doctor's office. I don't like to wait a lot of places, but this Advent season is about waiting. Amen. Amen. I don't like to wait places, and we have things that help us pass the time. We have all these entertainment options. We can look on our phone and check Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and we can look at news articles and all these things, but waiting is still hard. We have to wait at airports. 
security and, and boarding lines. And you know, I almost got that TSA pre uh, to try to skip the wait. But now when you go to the airport, the TSA pre-line is just as long as the regular line. We don't yeah. like to wait. We wait at the post office. We wait at the bank. We wait when we, are, when we call customer service yeah. instead of dealing with all of that automated stuff. When we want to talk to a human being, we have to wait. But could you imagine having to wait during a time where all this technology was not available? No smartphones, no magazines in the lobby, no television, no radio. But you had to wait. It's no wonder that when you wait in an a, a office, or a, I mean not an office, but a hospital or a doctor's office, they call us patients. Uh, the etymology of the word comes from about the mid-14th century, and it, was, it comes from old French language, and it meant enduring without complaint. It could also mean to support or bear or permit or suffering. And when it became used in the medical terminology, it meant someone that was suffering or a sick person. But what if we were waiting for something, not just an hour or so, but years? Maybe thousands of years. That was what was going on with the early church during this time. This is after Jesus has come back from the dead and, and ascended into heaven, and he's promised them to return. And many in the church believed that when he said, I'm coming back again, that meant like real soon. And it got even harder for the people that were waiting on Jesus' return because during this time, it wasn't real cool to be a Christian. Now, they, they didn't call it being a Christian at that time. They called it a following the way. But those who had professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, those who were doing the things that Jesus told them to do, they got tortured. They got martyred. They got dipped in boiling oil. They got crucified upside down. It wasn't hot to say I'm a Christian during the times of the readings. It didn't really even get popular until about 300 years after Jesus had rose from the dead. That's when it kind of got popular based on some political decisions. But during this time when Peter is writing to the people, it's not cool to be a Christian. You are literally putting your life on the line and you're putting your life on the line for a man that you are waiting for to return. And these people started to begin to question whether or not Jesus was actually coming back. And this letter, 2 Peter, is called 2 Peter because it's a follow-up to the first letter that has the name of Peter the Apostle, but it's more about some theological instruction rather than necessarily a letter. letter. The first letter encourages the church because they're being pre pressured by external forces, those who don't believe are on there. But the second letter deals with some of the internal things. You know, the church is going through enough but not only is it going through enough with the people on the outside, but we got to worry about some of the people on the inside. Amen. I've heard an addict said that the church is the only army that shoots its own soldiers. You have these internal problems, and there are false teachers that are skeptical about Jesus' return. 
and their teaching is encouraged by loose, ethical, and immoral behavior. But this letter was written to the people inside the church to remind them that while you're waiting, Jesus is going to return and he's going to bring justice and abolish evil and usher in a new creation. And then the way that they conduct themselves while they wait for this return will affect them for eternity. And Peter understands that when we wait on something, that is the hardest part. It seems like a long, slow waiting period, but this waiting period is actually a gift from God. God is not slow or tardy, but rather he is extending his own patience to allow time for people to come to repentance. Uh, the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night, and on that day all the deeds on the earth will be disclosed as if cleansed by fire. And because so much is happening during this time, the first generation Christians are having a little bit of a trouble trying to wait. Uh, that's why he tells them to, see, to, to not consider it strange as if they're in a trial by fire. Don't consider it strange that you're persecuted. Don't consider it strange that all these rough things are going on. We are not promised an easy life. Uh, and so you had these false teachers out there, and what were some of the things they were teaching? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, one of the things they were teaching that was because Jesus was not directly in front of you, it has to be false. We all know some people like that. I can't see it. I can't touch it for my own self. I don't know how it works, so I'm going to say it. Don't, I don't believe in it. There's a whole lot that we don't understand. To me, that limits your, lock, uh, your thinking. We're not all mechanical engineers. Yes, we know we stick a key in the ignition and turn it on, but I guarantee that everybody doesn't know how the, the gasoline is combusted and at what rate. They don't know what gears or everything. There are things that we don't know. Just because you don't know it or you can't quantify it yourself doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It means that there's somebody else out there that is able to quantify it. Uh, and so he was saying that because Jesus is not directly in front of you, some of these false teachers, that it has to be false. Ain't no Jesus. I can't see him. How come ain't no statues of him? Are you sure they weren't talking about the S-U-N of God and not the S-O-N? I'm just telling you some of the things I used to deal with. I spent a lot of time in my college years debating with atheists about it. And so I've heard a lot of that. And I saw that nothing is new under the sun. Because even though I was dealing with it in college, there were people dealing with the same arguments 2,000 years ago. Uh, and so they would say that because Jesus is not here right in front of you, despite all of the historical evidence, despite the Roman records of the crucifixion, despite Josephus, who wasn't writing scripture, writing about this Jesus return, there are people that will say he did not exist. We could debate about whether or not he's the son of God. I would entertain that debate, but I won't entertain the debate that he does not exist. It's too much records about him. Ah, and so they said that Jesus was not there, and they were telling these people that because Jesus is not there, you need to abandon all hope of him returning. Uh, and then they'd say, well, this Bible tells you all these things you're supposed to do, and all these rules you're supposed to, to do, and things you're not supposed to do. Ain't nobody been punished for it. 
The world keeps on turning. So obviously if there's no immediate punishment to what you've been doing, that it must be false. And there should be no judgment to be feared. These were actual believers teaching this. I'm not talking about people on the outside of the faith. These were people inside the faith teaching this, that Jesus ain't returned, so it ain't gonna, he ain't coming back, and that because there's been no punishment for what you've done, whether you broke the law or not, then obviously there's no judgment to be feared. They say you can fool some of the people all of the time. And you can fool all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all the time. If I go out and decide to rob banks, if I don't get caught the first time, that don't mean it's not illegal. I'm not robbing banks. I saw a bunch of people hop up when I mentioned robbing banks. I'm not out here robbing banks. I'm just saying, just because you get away with breaking the law does not mean the law is not in place and does not mean there's punishment. It just means it ain't gotten around to you yet. And so they were teaching this and they were also teaching, well, Christ has set us free from the law. So go ahead and do what you want. I'm under grace. Not under the law. God is not a vending machine, a buffet line, a menu, a sugar daddy. You don't pick and choose. Jesus said himself that he came not to abolish the law. You can't discount half of the entire Bible. The parts that you don't like bolster the parts that you like. And the parts that you like would not be there without the parts that you don't like. But there were people out here teaching these things. And so they had Peter had to write a letter to these people to let them know that yes... It's not going the way you thought it was going to go. But just because it's not going the way you thought it was going to go does not mean it's still going the right way. And so he tells them that while you wait, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Can I stop right there? Just a little something else. I, I spent a lot of time, you know used to, not anymore, arguing with folks that were looking to disprove the Bible and these sort of things. And I would come across a lot of people that would argue about the creation of the earth. Can I share my own little faith about this thing? I, you know, I just figure out how I'll do that. Uh, when the Bible says that God created the earth in seven days, I don't believe that to be seven 24-hour consecutive periods. The Bible was not intended to be a science book. The Bible was intended to get you to Jesus and then tell you how to live after you got to Jesus. And the reason why I can say that I don't believe that it was seven consecutive 24-hour periods is because of 2 Peter 3 and 8. A thousand years is like a day, but a, year, a thousand years, uh, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. That means 
that our timing is not God's timing. We say all the time when, when pastors are closing that Jesus stepped out of eternity and put on human clothes. The time of the celestial is not limited to our time on the human realm. Why else? Well, when you read Genesis and you look at the seven days of creation, the first day he created light and dark, right? And the second day created the sky. And the third day created dry land and plants. And the fourth day created the sun and the moon and the stars. So if he didn't create the sun and the moon and the stars to the fourth day, how do we know what a day was for those first three days? God's timing is not our timing. And I, I blame not only these people, but I blame some of our own people that try to use the Bible as a science book. Try to use the Bible as a chemistry book. That's not what it is for. It's a library of different sources of different people writing through different times, trying to show you about a bloodline that got us to a soon coming king. They're trying to show us about a bloodline that got us to Emmanuel, which means God is with us. They're trying to talk about a bloodline of the prophets that foretold him and the bloodline of the people of the things that he would travel to that got us to that rose of Sharon, that wheel in the middle of the wheel, that bright morning star. That's what it's about. It's not here for you to get through chemistry. And so we have a delay, but in that delay there is timelessness. A thousand years is but a day, and a day is a thousand years. And the, the, Peter is appealing to these people that he assumes are Bible readers. And those Bible readers would have known that he was quoting Psalm 90 and 4. And he talks about in there in Psalm 90 and 4 that for a thousand years are in your sight like yesterday. When it is past, it is like a watch in the night. The delay is from our perspective, is not from God's perspective. And so God is timeless in these things. While we wait, his timing is not our timing. And not only is he timeless, he's tender. Uh, God is patient. It says in verse 9 that he's, that he's patient and not wanting anyone to perish. So some of that is, is going on, not because God is slow to the punch, but God is being patient with some of us. Sometimes God is giving us enough time to clean it up ourselves before we miss out on what's going on. And so we have to be patient. And because that, that patience is going on and God is being tender, he's giving everybody chance after chance to get right. Over and over and over again. Because he loves us. And he wants the best for us. And he wants to give us all a chance not to fail. Um, because there is a delay, there is a dedication. Let the church say dedication. Dedication. Uh, the, in light of what's going on, because we're waiting, there are some things we need to do while we wait. Uh, and Peter is there mentioning not only what Peter is telling them what to do, but Paul is telling them what to do. And they need to grow in favor with the Lord and wait for the return because more people are going to be saved. Uh, and what do we do while we wait for the Lord's return? Because it's easy to get carried away. It's easy for us to lose our spiritual stability. And so what we need to be doing at this point is we need to be digging deep into the scriptures. Amen. Oh, man, all our amens went away on that one. <laughs> I know we ought to read the Bible more than just the times we open it up on church. 
The Bible says the study to show thyself approved. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It doesn't say wait for the pastor to tell you everything. Study to show thyself approved. Ah, so we got to dig deep into the scriptures. Peter and the disciples had seen all of the scriptures and the promises of Jesus confirmed. Everything that he was presided to do, everything that it was prophesied rather for him to do, he did it. And then the scriptures are a lamp into shining into a dark place. And so when we read the scriptures, we got to realize that Jesus is not some human invention. Jesus is something that he came through men and women, moved by the Holy Spirit, and spoke through God. So we need to spend time in the scriptures. There was a time where reading the Bible for me was a way to put me to sleep. And it wasn't that long ago. And so we need to be able to read these scriptures. We shouldn't have people who don't believe in, the, in Jesus being able to quote the Bible better than us. Hmm. I watched a whole bunch of people when I got to college end up stop being Christian because the atheists could tell them more Bible than they could. And not only do we need to be in the scriptures, we need to be able to be in those scriptures so that we can compare the word of God to others. We should remember the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord of our Lord and Savior spoken through the, the apostles. We need to be able to speak and understand the scriptures so that way when somebody knocks on our door and tries to give us a bit of an alternate example of what the scripture says. We won't miss out on it. Because it sounds good. But we just a little bit off. And that just a little bit off. Is enough to change you. And so we ought, while we wait. We ought to dig deep. Into the scriptures. What we also ought to do is pay attention. To what it is that masters us. Say it time and time again. You can look at the bank statement. And tell what a person worships. You can look at somebody's calendar and tell what they worship. I ain't saying you can't do anything else besides, you know, praise Jesus and worship God and be at the church. I ain't at the church all the time. But you can pay attention to what masters you. What is that that you can't go without? Is it holy? Ah, so we got to pay attention to what we master. And Peter in 2.19 criticizes in 2 Peter 2.19 those false teachers, they're promising freedom. Uh, they're saying, you know, don't, don't, don't worry about what Jesus told you to do or not do. Just be free under grace. But they're slaves to corruption. Most of the people running around talking about freedom are still slaves to something else. And so during this Advent season, we need to wonder about what is it that masters us? Uh, what have we become a slave to? Money? Power? Relationships? Something else? Bob Dylan said in a song, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Some of us are slaves to our own egos. Some of us are slaves to titles. Some of us are slaves to peer pressure amongst those people around us. I'm reminded of the adage that says, you know, uh, because of the peer pressure, people will spend money they don't have. 
to buy things they don't afford or can't afford rather to impress people that don't like them anyway who are we serving and then we also need to use our time wisely uh, Peter urges his readers to regard the patience of the Lord as salvation while we wait for the return of Jesus, not only the people in Second Peter waiting for the return of Jesus, not only because Advent is usually done during Christmas season because we are anticipating the birth of Jesus, but we not only anticipate the birth of Jesus, we anticipate his return again. So use the time wisely. God has given us our faith to share with others. Peter, like the Apostle Paul, he, they spent every minute walking, every waking minute rather, walking to tell the good news about Jesus to everybody they met. And according to Peter, Paul's writings may have been hard to understand and they were vulnerable to being twisted by others, but they were nevertheless powerful because they were designed to impact others with the gospel. And disciples of Jesus, we have to recognize that God has given us time to spread the word about Jesus. And we need to use that time wisely. Those conversations we might have with people while we're waiting to do something else, or while we're on a plane, or while we're traveling, or while we're on our break. We are, those are opportunities to have spiritual conversations as the Spirit leads. Peter says in the first letter to always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting of the hope that is in you. That's 1 Peter 3 and 15. The waiting might be the hardest part of being a Christian, but it's also the most important part. Amen. God's given us the tools. God's given us the tools. Third time's a charm. God has given us the tools. And the time to bring the good news to a world in anticipation of a second advent. You know, it's interesting that we talk about the gospel and the good news. And I'm reminded of the gospel according to Mark around the first verse. It says that this is the good news. That was not always a Christian term. Uh, the good news was what they were saying when they were spreading, quote unquote, the gospel. Before then, that was news of somebody winning a war. Somebody winning a battle. And so when they would use these scriptures and talk about this is the gospel and this is the good news, they were using terms that were familiar to the people. Now we have taken these terms and made them our own. We done made them all Christianized and everything. But this is what it is saying is we ought to be able to spread the good news. And we ought to be able to spread it in the language that people can understand. We have to be mindful of our insider language. We have to be mindful of how we go about spreading this news during the season. I was reading a book and it was talking about evangelism and it convicted me to my core. Because it talked about your evangelism temperature. And it said, you know, how many uh, non-Christian friends have you invited to church? That part didn't convict me. The part that convicted me was the second sentence that said, if you don't have any non-Christian friends, that's a problem. Ouch. 
we ought to be willing to spread the good news, not just anticipation of Advent, not just because uh, uh, this Sunday time and everybody's feeling good. This is an all ongoing thing. This good news is worthy of being shared. Not just being a club that's closed off to other people. We ought to be willing to share this good news while we wait on Jesus' return. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.